Okay, welcome back to Everything LNG, the podcast, and we're on the Yetzirah project, and we're on the fourth introduction, Avram Avinu, the Kohen Gadol, and the Shiach. I'm going to try to read the text to the best of my ability, and we'll go forward from there. Our relationship to the Yetzer, to our Yetzer Tov, our up-and-coming super-superhero, must stem from deep in the wellsprings of our relationship with Hashem Himself. The Baal HaTanya, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, uh, writes the following. I'm going to try to read it without the kudos. V'nefesh Hashenis B'Yisrael hi chelik elokai mimal mamish. In other words, our soul, meaning who we really are, and what we could vaguely call some aspect of the Yetzer Tov, is part of Hashem Himself on some level. Obviously from our perspective. What we might call in Yiddish the Pintaliyid. Not that I speak a lot of Yiddish. That's parenthetical. Sorry. Where did we inherit this unique relationship? What is the source of our connection to the source? It must be Avram Avinu. It is not only that Avram, Avram is the progenitor of the Jewish people. It is also the fact that his relationship with the Creator is unique in and of itself. He wasn't just the first Jew in a sense chronologically, but he developed the knowledge and awareness of Hashem on his own. This unique creative ability is exactly what we need if we are able to locate and define our superhero, the Yetzir Tov. Luckily for us, there is a hint that we are on the right path. The Gematria of Avram Avinu, 317, is exactly the same as Yetzir Tov. In the third chapter, Perak of the Rambam's Mishnah Torah, he tells us the blessing that a father says at the birth of his son. We see from here that the essence of being a Jew is that from day one, or actually day eight, he is connected to the life and legacy of Abraham. However, while we explore what makes Abraham unique as this chapter develops, at the end of the day, it is arguable whether he was a Jew or not. He lived before the giving of the t- official giving of the Torah, and therefore, while a great model for Yitzhak Tov, he can't be the whole picture. Our second paradigm for the Yetzir Tov will be less a person and more a role in, Jewish, in the Jewish people. The Yetzir Tov is our most precious and holy point of reference. Who plays that role for the Jewish people? There is one man who, on the holiest day of the year, goes to the holiest place in the universe to gain favor and atonement for the Jewish people. That man, or that role, is the Kohen Gadol. Luckily, the Midrash says that Avraham himself was a Kohen Gadol. Check the footnotes. It's from the Maharal and Chedushia Gadus, quoting from the Midrash Rabbah, Perak 46. Halakha, or uh, part five, I guess. So we see that our, our paradigm for the Yetzir Tov is going to be based on a man and a role. But last but not least, or our guide for the Yetzir Tov will be a mysterious man who will play a mysterious role, Mashiach himself. This puts us into dangerous territory because the, Messianic, the Messianic concept and the grip it has had on history and the imagination of the world until this very day is very great. However, its elusiveness is what makes it ripe for misunderstanding. Therefore, since there is not much to know, we will only touch it briefly. The concept of Mashiach is the man who will, in a certain sense, be the actual embodiment of the Yetzir Tov. He will be a man so great that he will defeat not just the internal but the external Yitzhahara and bring the presence and knowledge of Hashem back to the world through the practical work of bringing Jews back to Israel and building the Third Temple. These actions will make Hashem's presence so clear it will be practically impossible not to acknowledge. The purpose of building a conceptual framework for Yetzir Tov is, in a certain sense, the same goal, but on a personal level. As it is stated in both the Tanya and the Silsisharim, each of us is like a city or a world, and our goal is to conquer that city or that world. Building the conceptual framework for Yetzir Tov is the intellectual work that will help us implement this in our own city and bring Hashem's presence as close as it can be to our consciousness. We are living in a unique time in human history. 
On the world stage, we have seen the explosion of communication technology, which has shrunk the world in time space. The coronavirus has, interestingly, united the world as a common enemy. From a Jewish lens, we have seen the near destruction of the Jewish people due to physical and spiritual holocaust, as well as a simultaneous rebirth in the building of a country and economy in Israel, and a burgeoning increase in the amount of Torah that can, be, that can, learn, that can and is being learned. While Jewish life is extensively communal, and that we need each other for so many reasons. Both the access to information and the coronaviruses isolate each of us in a profound way. This is the reason why we must look to Avram Avinu as part, as, a, as, as part of our guard to the Eitzher Tov. He is the one and only man who, in a certain way, navigates, na- navigated a situation similar to ours. He is called Avram Ivri, who the sages tell us that was on one side of the river and the rest of the world on the other side. It happens to be today, in a certain sense, each person is in the same situation. Each of us is isolated in our own information silo, and on top of that, the overwhelming trend in the Western world is away from God, objective morality, and truth. Part of what we need from Abraham is his revolutionary nature. He was in his time a radical iconoclast who smashed the false idols of his day and communicated the ideals of Hashem from a logical perspective, but with the sincere emotional power of kindness. He was also a man of simple faith who stood up in the to the infamous ten tests. For example, he was told to leave his land and come to the land of Canaan, only to find a famine. He leaves only to have his wife kidnapped by Paro. He has no children and has conflict with his nephew, who is eventually captured as well. He's promised a great legacy, but has a wife without a womb. She, his wife Sarah, has a miracle birth in old age, and Avram is then told to kill his son, who would, that, who would be that legacy. Not to mention that his legacy barely got off the ground when he himself needed to be miraculously saved from the fire of Nimrod so many years earlier. While we have a Masora and teachers that Avram didn't have, we are a far cry from, from Sinai. While we cannot reach the level of Avraham, we can use him as a model. The Midrash states that Avraham ma'atzmo lamad Torah, which I understand to mean that through, that through analytical reasoning and personal experience, he intuited the truth of Torah and was given divine assistance after doing the work. In his book, The Intellect and the Exodus, by Rabbi Jeremy Kagan, he discuss, in discussing his own process of becoming an observant and approaching Amun in the modern context as a seeker of truth, he sums up well what I, I think Abraham might have been thinking. And this is a quote from Rabbi Kagan's book, which I'm going to quote from extensively in the next few pages. Uh, quote, It was clear to me that it was not just nice to be nice. Being good is somehow necessary, essential, and objective. But I didn't find a compelling way to justify or ground the intuition with the Western tradition. Torah provided an approach. According to Torah, re- reality is the consequence of an uncaused act of creation. This was chesed or giving, or kindness, in the purest sense possible. Since the Creator does not need anything from creation, existence is an altruistic gift. The trait of chesed, therefore, is foundational to existence. We cannot resonate with reality on its deepest levels unless we, we ourselves are embody this trait. End quote. Rabbi Kagan explains Abraham in his historical, ideological context as well, which might be a clue for us as we, learn, as we must learn how to, to understand our avoda uh, for Hashem in our unique time. He explains that the, that the ancient polytheists, while incorrect in their belief structure, did bring a visceral sense of emotion and meaning to their religious life. Their worship was passionate and real. For them, the gods were present and immediate. Well, what Abraham intuited was, was something the Greeks would only come to much later. The idea of a real abstract reality as in the form of Plato, mathematics, and geometry. The idea that there is something truly non-physical and outside of existence in the tangible sense. Quote, Abraham achieved abstraction and applied it to the immediacy of the Near Eastern awareness. This combination of abstraction and immediacy allowed him to soar above idolatry and reach the unitary transcendent creator. End quote. 
However, we are drenched in our time, somewhere deep in the Roman exile. What does that mean for us? Rabbi Kagan explains that the underlying principle of our current exile is the confusion of material existence with reality. There's a Christian version which began at the start of exile, making God himself physical. And now we have the secular version which we are currently suffering under. Only matter exists. As we have moved further from a world of worshipers with a collective mindset to a world of thinkers with an individual mindset, we have become increasingly centered in our individual ego experience. This has only been catalyzed by the intensification of communication technology and information algorithms, which allow each of us to be ever increasingly living in our own digital world. Rabbi Kagan suggests that since this is our time, we must use it to our advantage. Quote, we can use the defining trait of Rome, its radical individualization of experience, in the service of that relationship with God. We can use the personal isolation that is the basis from which Rome creates a vision of reality independent of God to create an independent relationship with God. If modern society has trained us to respect only that which we do on our own, let us seduce our faith. Rabbi Kagan goes on to explain how Abraham is a paradigm for us as we search for, to have a moon in our time. This is really the same goal we have in building the Eitzer Tov, a firm belief in our capacity for goodness and reflections of our, uh, for goodness as reflections of our Creator and the necessary connection we build to Him through godlike actions, thus making us our best self. Everything flows from a clear conception of Hashem and what makes and what that implies about our obligations to Him and each other. How did Abraham come to this knowledge of the Creator? Rabbi Kagan explains. Quote, in the ancient world, man intuitively recognized the existence of gods, including a creator. Creation, however, was not of immediate concern. As an event that had been completed in the distant past, it was only relevant insofar as it rounded off people's understanding of the world. Abraham's innovation began with his realization that our reality requires ongoing support to, to exist. This gave the creator immediate significance and also necessarily implied that the nature of his existence is greater than that of our, our reality. The qualities required of a, being, being, of a being able to create and sustain existence so dwarfed any other power that once Abraham recognized the transcendent creator, he stood, alone as the, he stood alone as the one God, at least for Abraham, who fully... Who full, who full, Clarity, who had full clarity about the implication of his transcendence. I think I'm going to mess up that quote a little bit. I'm going to continue. That's the end quote. While we have a Torah and a Masorah to give us the conviction Abraham had to discover in his own, quote, his legacy to us is not merely that conviction, but also his model of personal pursuit of that conviction. The conscious building of our Yitzhak Tov is a reflection of the fact that the world is created with kindness by a loving creator is the, is the continuation of the path of Avram Avinu, started for us many years ago. The Maharal of Prague explains quite famously in regards to numbers as paradigms that seven is representative of the natural world and eight the supernatural. These paradigms can easily be seen in the fact that seven that that creation is seven days and the miracle of Hanukkah is an eight-day phenomena. Kohanim who work in the base of English are the ones who bridge the gap between the sacred and the mundane by working holy protocols of the temple. The Maharal points at the Gematria of 75 uh, hinting to the fact that they play this role. I mean, Kohen is 75. The Kohen Gadol is the ultimate bridger of the Gagap. The Yetzir Tov we are building is really a role we want to inhabit as well. The Kohen Gadol has eight garments, and just as he clothes, as the clothes make the man for him, our Yetzir Tov will have eight spiritual conceptual garments that we will call tools, which when we, Emirat Shashem, inhabit and apply them will make us that bridge as well. The fact that the Kohen Gadol is representative of the nation is clear from the fact that all the accidental murderers that are sent to the Ari Miklat are released at the death of the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol is, is, in this sense, is more than just a man. The verse in the Torah actually states, "V'kol adam lo moed, And the, the, the quote, the quote, the, the pasuk continues. What's in the Midrash states that. The Mitzvah actually reads the verse quite literally. There is no man in the tent when the Kohen Gadol brings the Kapar and the Kodesh. There is not 
just no other man. There is no man at all, because he himself is not a man at that moment. The Kohen Gadol becomes more like an angel, an advocate for Klai Yisrael, the embodiment of the entire Jewish people. This is what we want our Yitzhak to be, not a specific person, but a messenger and a model for what we, we, are, what we want ourselves to be. We each want to be an advocate for our best self, and by using the Kohen Gadol as part of our model, we are looking to link ourselves to the Jewish people. Last and but not least, the ultimate model for our Yetzir Tov is Mashiach himself. Mashiach is, by, is a mystery by definition. We don't know who he is, and it is something we can't know. Mashiach is the embodiment of the best of the Jewish people who will bring back prophecy to the whole Jewish nation and the whole world and the Shekhinah back together. The fact that the Mashiach is a, perfect, is, a perfect, is a mystery is the perfect metaphor for our Yetzir Tov because it is something that does not yet exist. It is each of our jobs to to build our Yetzir Tov, and I assume that Mashiach will build and embody his Yetzir Tov to the point where he lives with clarity between head and heart, word and deed, and has erased hypocrisy from himself. We should all be blessed to see him soon in our days.